Welcome to No Room for Phonies, where Charles looks really small and I look really tall. <laughs> That's if you watch the video version. This is <laughs> episode 66. And it's a it's entitled Third Culture Kids Growing Up as a Third Culture Kid. And we're doing it because you are a, chi- a person who grew up as a third, a third culture, culture kid. kid. You are an adult third culture kid. Yes. Which is an acronym. A-T-C-K. Yes. Anyway, the green light moment, and this is from reading the book. Um, Mistakes were made, but not, not by, by me. me. Self-justification and lack of accountability are actually the scourge of our current entitled society. How do you like that? That's for a, a green great light moment. Sentence. So, but green light, I thought that's when we're personal, personally like supposed to say, yes. we're not going to do this. Well, I am personally not going to self-justify and, be lack and, of a, have, and lack have lack of accountability because I don't want to be part of what happens in, entitled a, society. in a, an entitled society. Ditto. I would say read that book. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a game changer. Life it is changer. life changer, and the the last chapter is about actually about Donald Trump, and it's mm-hmm. just fascinating. It's there, yeah. Um, so the book I'm recommending is actually the Third Culture Kids book, which I'm almost finished. Um, the experience of growing up among worlds. There, I'm trying to get it so that it, there, yeah, there it is. is. And uh, it's by David C. Pollock and Ruth E. Van Recken. Anyway, it's excellent. Like if you were ever considering doing that with taking your with child your kids, to another country for an extended wow, period of time, you need to actually read this book. So it's very important. Mm-hmm. And then my podcast recommendation is Kate Bowler and Richard, Father Richard Rohr, How Great Love and Suffering Can Move Us Into a New Stage of Life, Making Room for the Mystery of Joy and Suffering, When to Hold On and When to Let Go. And then we're also listening okay, to... Okay, they need to let go of such long titles. No, I think I've added oh. to it. <laughs> Um, I think it was just the title was it's when fine. to hold I'm on kidding. and when to let go. But anyway, and we are actually listening to Father Richard Rohr's book, Falling Upward. Falling Upward. But he has tons of books. And uh, H-R-O-H-R is, is how you spell his last name. Yep. So definitely worth um, looking at his stuff. Yeah, He's for quite sure. brilliant. Okay, so Third Culture Kid. So I'm going to ask you questions. Citizens of, of everywhere, everywhere and, and nowhere. nowhere is what this book talks about with okay. third culture kids. And I actually wrote down quite a few like quotes about things when I was reading. There's a uh, there's an organization called Global Nomads International, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, support group kind of yeah kind of a support group because um anyway kind of the book covers uh children of diplomats children of missionaries or expats working in whatever industry or army military military uh, families that move around and it doesn't even have to be from different countries you can move around within the country Mm -hmm. yeah they talk about that as well that but i mean i know in the u.s like a lot of them go to germany or korea or whatever so so anyway um my first thing is that i think you should tell a little bit of your story like where did you live and for how long did you live there so my parents were canadian born uh but worked in Colombia, South America, and I was born there. And I lived there 
uh, for 16 out of 18 years. Um, so I was there until grade, until kindergarten started. We came to Canada because my parents' employers pulled them out of the country and said to go back to Canada. Fortunately, we were here when my brother's cancer was discovered and they were able to treat him and he survived. Um, and then a year and a half later, the employer called my parents back and said, would you like to go back? And so we did. Uh, so then from grade two to graduating from high school, I lived in Columbia with a, with two other visits to Canada in summer. Like furloughs. Yeah, summertime furloughs. Mm -hmm. um, so... Like where, just say. Where did I live? Okay, so I lived in two different cities. Cali. You were born I was in. born in Cali, Colombia, and lived there too for a couple of years. And then the rest of the time I lived in um, Medellin, Colombia. So how do you think, I was just actually reading the, the chapter schooling. on education, and how do you feel that that impacted your schooling, just because? Well, I did uh, kindergarten grade one in Manitoba. Then I did grade two uh, in Cali, and I was in a bilingual school. And I had to, I had oral Spanish, but I had to learn written Spanish. Uh, and I just learned how to read and write in grade one in Canada. So then I was thrown into learning Spanish in grade two. Um, and the oral Spanish came back really quickly because kids learn oral Spanish quickly, but the, the writing part and the reading I struggled a bit with that um, and was bullied. So uh, my best friend was actually a Japanese expat kid. <laughs> yeah, so, they so, talk about that in the book. So, yeah, yeah so he and I kind of defended ourselves against the, the, because Col the you, Colombian kids in the class. Because you, um, like, you don't look like... Well... Uh, like, in Colombia, there is a range of skin colors from fair and blue-eyed all the way to very dark and like full black um, because of the slave trade there for, from 300 to 200 years earlier. And then the, there's a lot of uh, Moorish or Arabic and Jewish right. blood in the Spanish line. And then there's indigenous uh, genetics in there mixed in there too. So um, there's quite a range of colors. Uh, so, uh, skin color wise, I, uh, with brown hair and brown eyes, I didn't stick out too terribly much, but my accent at first until my Spanish became fluent, right. uh, stuck oh, in grade two, it stuck out. Yeah. So. Cause I had lost Spanish while I was in Canada. Like I, So in elementary school, basically you went to a Spanish school. Just for grade two. Oh. And, and then, then we moved cities to Medellin, and then I went to a school for, well, missionary kids' school. And it was all American teachers, and I don't know which state the curriculum was from. The teachers from were from all over different parts of the states. Um, and I lived with my parents, and in carpools or, yeah, there wasn't a school bus. The parents carpooled and took, uh, took the kids to school. They took turns. And so I was there for grades three, four, five, and six uh, with American curriculum. 
and learning, all learning, missionary kids and all missionary kids and well, it must have been small classes though yes and, and multi-levels yeah like okay grade three was a grade one two three split mm-hmm. grades four five six was another split and then grade seven eight was another split um so i always had other grades and other things going on in the multi-level classroom um uh, i had to well i refused to uh, pledge allegiance to the flag or sing. They uh, talk about that actually in I the know. book. I, so I said, I said, well, I'm either Colombian or Canadian. I'm not American. So figure something else out. <laughs> uh, my, and my dad stood by me. So they, they didn't get an, uh, an, uh, an, a, a Canadian flag and they didn't even have a Colombian flag in the assemblies. Wow. Yeah. They were like, in the country of Colombia. Yeah. But it was USA all the wow. way. So, um, that's crazy, really, when you think of it. And uh, so they they found some pledge to the Canadian flag written by some Boy Scout organization, not the official Boy Scouts, it was some other one, Youth Crusaders or something. Anyway, it was, I had to uh, say the Pledge of Allegiance to the Canadian flag at the same time. The Americans were saying it to the American flag because I was not allowed to sit down. And that was considered disrespectful. And right. um, I couldn't just, I, I think they should have just let me just stand there. like Be quiet. Do. Yeah, quietly. Yeah, you didn't have to say it. Not anyway, sorry. so. Anyway, sorry. We, I, we, I digress. We, we're going to be here all night, which is yeah, fine. You can keep me back on That's track. okay. So, so then, then you went to high school. And then I switched to, for middle school and high school, I switched to a Canadian-run school, run by Canadian teachers. And the Alberta curriculum was the one implemented. So there was no grade 13. So right. I did grade 7 through 12. And then that's um, when you came back. And then I graduated from grade 12 and came to Canada. But So then I had Canadian curriculum with Canadian history, geography, all the rest of it. But because we had so many American kids in the school, the, the teachers had to be inclusive. So they did actually quite a bit of North America. But I think your impact, though, was when you went to apply to university. Uh, when I went to apply to university, I had, it was very uh, challenging. Limited, right? Oh, because... Just in case, I took an SAT test in case that helped. I wasn't ever going to go to the States, but my brother ended up di- did. So I took an SAT test uh, just in case. And then... But you said you were like, but my average, my average, you were walking around a room and you wanted to do art, but that was the big. Yeah. So I wanted for undergraduate degree, I wanted to do graphic design and marketing. And at the time there wasn't digital uh, registration that you went to the gym and looked at the tables and chose your major and went up to the department head and, and applied. So I had applied to get into the university, which I had been accepted, but I hadn't declared Choosing my major a program. or program. So then I walked up to the, the marketing graphic designs and they said, where's your portfolio? And portfolio in Spanish means briefcase. So I held up my briefcase and I said, here it is. And they said, well, open it and show us whether it shows your, your artwork. And I, I looked at my dad and he explained to me that I misunderstood what portfolio meant. And, and then I had to say all my artwork stayed in Columbia. So I had nothing from, yep. from five years they of high school. They talked about all this, like in how, <clears throat> um, and then the last chapters that I'm reading now are actually how parents can 
make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. That they can actually plan for their kids. So, so anyway, anyway so I, uh, I mean, I completely took a different direction in university, which has been fine in the end, but I, it was very disappointing not to be able to do graphic design marketing. Yeah. Um, positive and negative aspects of friendship for you based on your experiences. Well, when I was in Colombia, I had lots of good Colombian friends. And uh, at my school, I had both Canadian and American friends. Um, but when I came back to Canada, I had a hard time making deep friendships. Everything seemed superficial. Uh, the boys or young men in university seemed very immature and stupid. Mm -hmm. um, they actually the women, the young women in university, the young women in university were fine, but um, I ended up most of my peer group, even though we were, I was in first year, I ended up being friends with people that had put university off for a year or two. Plus, they had had grade thirteen, so they were just that much older. But I had all my friends were two or three years older than me. In but university. I think because of like, and you didn't move around. Well, you moved. I around lived in twenty-two different houses okay, before so I came to Canada. Didn't. No, that's including being in Canada. I think I lived in about twelve different houses living. But before. like they talk about like this that you have to learn to do things like deep and fast. Yes, you make and friendships so, very deep and fast, and you want to be open and being Latin American as well, you do wear your heart on your sleeve and you form steadfast and long lasting and loyal friendships uh, in, in Latin American countries. And uh, Canadians don't do it the same way. And they talk about something called confessional impulse yeah, where you just... Which I still Yeah. Spill it all out, <laughs> even when it's not really appropriate. So I uh, that happened a couple of times when I first came to Canada, rather embarrassingly. Yeah. Um, so then there's the whole idea of leaving, like. Oh well, you like know me. Leaving. Whenever we've moved away from a moved house or we've left even a holiday cottage, I have to have a little goodbye moment. Yes. Where yeah. I, I kind of have to go and think and and say. Yeah, goodbye. they talk about that a lot, actually, about um, unresolved grief. Yes. Around like leaving and, and. So when I was seventeen, and we uh, well, just before my eighteenth birthday, we left Colombia, and we were with some Colombian friends who wanted to go to Disney World. So we flew to Florida, and then we met some other. Uh, classmates of or of mine who were going up to Ohio so we all got on this bus and it was a school bus with bunks my dad found this cheap thing i don't know anyway of course so you did we all rode from florida to ohio on this bus and then from ohio to niagara and um and but I, like I thought, oh, it's an adventure, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm le and I knew I was leaving Colombia for a long time. It felt like like it might be for good, but I mean, I was planning on going back after my university graduation or something like that. Right. Um, so I was going to be away for four years, but uh, the sh the shock of it actually being very very real didn't hit me till Disneyland was over, and then I was on the stupid bus. And then we crossed into the Canadian border and I was just a mess. Well, because there's like, they talk I realized about I wasn't this like denial, anger, depression, withdrawal, yep. rebellion, yep. this vicarious grief and, and then delayed grief. 
Yep. So that. And I also, I had been, uh, being the youngest of four, I had seen my brother's rebellious mistakes and stupidity in their teenagers. So but that I, all had to do I had been with. A goody t- I had been a goody two shoes and then I rebelled. But that, all those feelings are uh, because you were denied, like that your parents didn't actually allow you a mourning period. No. It was like, suck it up, get going. And then I had to get my summer job, my first summer mm-hmm. in Canada. And it was awful. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah, I mean, it was probably fine, but no, no, emotionally, it was awful, yeah, yeah. But it was funny, I worked as a landscaping company out doing the tree, the tree trimming, and um, I worked with a crew of, of foreign workers and mostly Jamaicans and two Canadian guys, and it was great. I just totally like, I, 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 did, I wasn't Jamaican. I didn't know anything about the Jamaican culture, but I just got along with them. Yeah, because you... And the foreman kind of took me under, a Jamaican foreman took me right. under his wing and right. it was just, but yeah. I was, then I was fine, but not with the Canadian guys. I yeah. didn't want to hang out with them. But I would say that um, you, of the things like you probably were more depressed and withdrawn. Yes. I mean, you did get drawn into because you were in a church culture. Yes, I you had got some drawn into it. My my most de- my depression hit after second year of university. It took a while. Yeah. Well, that's the denying grief delays everything, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. if you don't actually, because mourning is actually the conscious acknowledgement of loss, and then you find ways and rituals that help you recognize and mourn it, and you you have to have that or yeah. else it's and then, difficult to and then in my on. third it was in in my third year i started studying how to teach english as a second language and linguistics and i had a professor who was also not canadian born and he helped me and i did research on on canadian culture versus colombian culture and that's when my eyes were open to what had i'd been going through mm-hmm. for two years or three years right because yeah. it's actually so I resolve, super, I, I it's actually super, 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 super normal. Like we were just talking. Yeah, when I, be- but I, when I was going through it, I thought I was very abnormal. Right. But we were actually talking about most third culture kids have something that they wear all the time from their culture. Yeah, here it is. My silver cross. So in Colombia at 15 years old. The girls have a big 15-year-old coming out party with dances and dresses Quince, and whatever. Quinceañeras. Quinceañeras, yeah. yeah. And um, the boys usually don't have a party. They might have a dinner, but they get some gift that has value or sentiment to them. So I wanted... Uh, so this is Colombian silver and um, from one of the mines there, and I wanted something yeah so that, that's my yeah but thing. it's interesting that yeah. like all these things are actually like in this book well and as and I in our house this, over the years i've slowly gotten rid of things that yeah. don't mean anything but we right. still have some columbia yeah things. we do yeah for sure and i have a hard i'm not a hoarder but i have a hard time letting go of them yeah no we have still things that we yeah. have um what do you feel are like the top three to five traits of like third culture kids that um, you would say are the most a lot of us are have wonderlust we we i didn't be i'm not one of them but a lot of us have the desire to always travel a, a lot 
end up going back to their host country in their young adult years or adult years. Well, they tell the story. Yeah, they tell the story of this one young woman who went back, but then she discovered that because she was no longer like an expat, she she couldn't work. Mm -hmm. She couldn't afford to live in a safe area. Yeah. Like there was just a lot of things that she Yeah, and then you go back to your. No, you go back to the, what is it? Well, host country is the one where you're not from that you live in. Is that yeah. what it's called? So you go back to the host country and it, everything's changed so much, or it's just different because you're not with your parents. Anyway, and you don't have the privilege of, no, it's very because for a lot of people who go to countries, they live like above the people that they're, yes. because like, whatever because if you go say you know you're a ceo of a company Mm -hmm. and you're sent to you know africa or kenya or somewhere like malay somewhere asian like you're living with maids and Mm -hmm. your kids are accessing the best schools and you've got you're living in a good neighborhood but when you go back as a single woman yeah like she said i'm coming back and her friends were all like okay we'll help you and everything and then she realized like with her visa, she couldn't really get a job. Okay. And then she didn't have money. Like she couldn't really afford to live in a neighborhood that was safe. Mm-hmm. Like it was just all these things. So she and ended up having to leave. She came, she came back home realizing yeah. that she couldn't yeah. be there. So there is this feeling like you don't have a place to call home. You do feel a little lost and torn. Um, like Sorry, you said, what were the you said five? three to five. I just said the traits of third culture kids. Yeah. Um, some of the positives are that you have a deeper understanding of human nature and uh, and human behavior because not only when you have a second language, but you have an embedded second culture, you've adopted a lot of the different viewpoints and ways of thinking. I happen mm-hmm. to be both in the Western Hemisphere, so I didn't adopt any of the Asian way of thinking, but the Latin American way of thinking. It, and every country in Latin America is different. Well, on those its are own. like those are like they say like, cross cultural skills. Yeah, so you have you a can... lot of cross cultural skills. Uh, you learn to negotiate between uh, the, the other one. They said, I'm, I know that I should be letting you, but the other one that I said that I thought that was interesting was observational skills Yes, because you're able to kind of observe a situation and figure out how to fit yourself into it Yeah, because, because you, you have, have to, to do that to do all the time. That. Right. Mm-hmm. And obviously the linguistic and then skills, the linguistic skills was very right? important. Yeah. And then diplomacy is mm-hmm. also, you, you, you learn between even between two people from the same culture who are are friction, you you learn to be to read what both parties are missing from each other's communication and helping them figure things right. out. And I mean, of course, there's the cross cultural uh, confusion, right? That is yes. back and forth. Like the story, I mean, one that, of the stories that doesn't always last for a long time. It can. Last one of the stories in the book was like whatever culture this young woman was in, like you didn't flush the toilet if it was just pee. Oh, okay. And so it was the, too expensive. To right, pay for whatever. The water. And so yeah. then she came back and then her mm-hmm. grandmother was like, Why did you leave? Like Yeah. So it's just kind of like mm-hmm. that kind of <laughs> so. I grew up with only showers, no bathtubs. Came to Canada the first summer. My parents were going to some church and I went along and we stayed with some people. So all they didn't have a shower, they just had a bathtub. So I filled the bathtub, 
soaped up, got all in, drained it, filled the bath up again to rinse off because I didn't like the soap on my skin. Yeah. And then the lady asked me when I came to do, you always fill the bathtub twice? <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I said, you mean the rest of you just get out with soap on your skin and feel all slimy <laughs> and have soap? Like, don't you get rashes and irritation? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so those kinds of things, yeah. right? That, but anyway, oh, I just lost my questions. Here they are. Um, do you think that globalization has changed the connection of third culture kids to their original or birth culture? Like, do you think um, it would be different now? Because well, the internet changed everything because when I first got back, I wrote my let my friends letters, uh, and I had about twelve really close Colombian friends. So I kind of would write one letter a day, and would, but Colombians it ends up aren't letter or letter writing culture like they just don't. Particularly my generation wasn't by then, right? Um, so I got very few letters back. So I kind of was upset and more depressed and angry. So I just quit. Um, and then I would try maybe once a year and I kind of lost touch. But then as soon as Facebook came into being, I just typed in names and found a few and then they were all connected and totally have reconnected with everybody again. I mean, we don't chat every week, but that aspect of globalization has made. So now... Like you would be able to now, I think it would people, be very, very different. Like you just think of like FaceTime and especially like since COVID, right? right. Like FaceTiming grandma and having yes. this grandma can sit and read you a story. Mm -hmm. Like if you were a little kid. Yeah. So my brothers left home. Before. Like you didn't know your grandparents. No, I did not. Whereas, know. I did not. I got letters. I didn't even get uh, birthday presents or cards from them. Uh, I got included in the mails that in the letters that were sent to my parents as a greeting to Charles mm -hmm. you know so but I'm whatever. just saying like, no and I didn't know my cousins or no. my aunts and uncles but the culture here because of the 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 men the ethnic Mennonite group and the the era the 70s and 80s they were all close with each other the right. cousins and brothers so and when sisters. you and i mean i guess so i i when i came here for a summer visit i had all these cousins and everybody but I thought it was kind of a great experience. It was like a one month visit of all these cousins and picnics and it was great. And then I would leave. Right. But then when we got like married and, you know, we're trying to not really infiltrate, but well, that's how I felt yes, in I some know. ways. They, they weren't interested at all. No, they I was the their... weird, I was the weird cousin that had dropped in for mm -hmm. a, a one month like visit. They, they, they didn't even remember me or no, know, or know me. no. Whereas you did. And I think and I remembered like details of my one month visit with my cousins and this is what we had done. And so then I would tell them but if five years later, been, do you remember when we did this? And no. But if you had had like Internet or and all this, then kind yeah, of stuff, that would have you could have had a cousin that you talked to all the time on a regular basis yeah. that you would have had. And I think there is a big difference between. And I sort of said this in the post that I did today about third culture kids and immigrants, because immigrants that was, we, yeah. We make allowances for people who are immigrants. But if you come from a, you know, and, and, and well, I came, home, I moved back home. And so I had the same last name, spoke English without an accent. But why was I so freakishly weird? Because I, you know, people that my cousins could say, oh, you know, he's the weird one from Colombia. It's just because he grew up there and mm -hmm. roll their eyes. But everybody else that I would meet, they had, they were just 
they didn't know. They thought I was why it was so weird. Right. Do we have time for me to tell one more story? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. It'll be a slightly longer episode this time. That's okay. That's um. No. First year of university, German class walked in, sat next to a guy, said hi, uh, and we shook hands. And um, next day, I next class, I guess, came to class. I reached out to shake his hand, and he shook my hand, but he kind of stepped back and looked at me a little weird. And the next class, I said, you know, hi, shook his hands, and he kind of like, why do you want to shake my hand every class? And I said, well, why not? <laughs> like, I totally did not <laughs> catch on. Well, my parents did say, don't kiss any young women on both cheeks, because that's what you did there. Right. Like, if you were introduced to somebody the first time, you might never say goodbye with a kiss, but you might actually right. the first time. You would never say hello with a kiss. Right. But, but by the time you had had a conversation, like if you went out with two friends and they, a third a young woman came along and you were all having a coffee, whatever, and then you left, you might actually give her a well, kiss. Well, I feel like Roger and Lalandi, right? Like yeah. our friends from Brazil. Yeah. Like, once we had established, like, yeah, then when we, the totally first fine. time, like when we went and dropped off food yeah. and, you know, whatever, then it was like, yes, then they then want, the hugs yeah, the yeah, right. Although it was all COVID, COVID so but we, I mean, I'm just saying. But the instinct is the all there. The instinct was all there. Yeah. I thought, so, but I, I had been told by my dad, don't kiss girls on the cheek. It's not appropriate. But they ne he had never said, don't shake guys' hands every time. Like in Colombia, the, the guys are not touchy-touchy, but there is a a shake hand or a, a hand on the shoulder or a pounding on the back. There's some touch right. when you say hello or goodbye and very comfortably. Yeah. And Canadian men know. Okay. Unless, well, not if you're just meeting each other. Right. And it's usually just sports teams. Then you're allowed to kind of. Okay. Whatever. So, yeah. So he, so I said, well, why not? And he said, well, it's a little too affectionate for me. And I said, whoa. <laughs> I said, don't go down that path. That's not what I'm interested. And he said, okay. But anyway, so then months later, we had gotten to know each other. And he knew that I was from Colombia. And he actually was from Liechtenstein or had been several years in Liechtenstein. So he was a little bit more savvy about two cultures. So then he said, like months later, now I know why you shook my hand. <laughs> That's funny. But I mean, there were those that was funny, but there were, I don't remember all the incident, but there was a lot of really uncomfortable times where I would just like, oh, now kids would say, oh, I had social anxiety. But then you, it was just, just, it was it literally was the not fitting in, not reading yeah. the signals, not yeah. understanding the culture at all. Um, I, I was talking about anecdotes, which you've shared already, but I guess we chose obviously not to take our kids to a different culture. Like, mm -hmm. That's obviously, but if somebody said to you, like, I'm thinking of moving to a third culture with my kids or, you know, oh, to I do that. The book, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not for sure. Um, would you, I, I would say, well, I would say, you know, these are the things you need to prepare for. And, and this is what you, you need to know your child really well. Um, uh, my parents were from a different generation, right? They didn't. No, well, they're, they, they were felt very career, that they, they, were very they had, career, a, your a dad calling. had a calling. Yeah. And so the rest of you were supposed to just feel blessed. Yeah. Like, and God would provide and mm. God would take care of all yeah. these things. And I mean, minus the negative things that I went through, I still feel 
Well, it's made you it's the not, for me, it's not even look. It's not even looking for a silver lining. There's there's so many positives from it that uh, it way they much much for me much outweighed any negative. I guess for me, I think yeah. Like, but, uh, but our lives for just some didn't... acquaintances and some friends and brothers, it wasn't the same. It wasn't so positive. Well, and I also think like I've seen other people who have like done that right. Yeah. And now they just don't seem to, like, they actually come back and they actually really, really struggle mm -hmm. with. Like the children do. The children do. And even the adults. And the adults Well, but every, everybody who lives in another culture comes back and has re-entry shock. Right. But now they're, they're well, most companies and, and organizations have training for what re-entry right. shock is going yeah. to be like. And they coach you through it. Right. But. And I also think like you have to be very careful about your like they, they they actually get into the book all about like how you make the decision and you actually have to consider your financial planning and what that's and, and some people who can afford it actually always can keep a home here. Yeah. And oh, then, yeah. There's a lot of that. Have... And then the other time is the, the age. Like I had friends that came to high school in Colombia. They were yeah. ripped away from their yeah, best they... grade nine friends to do grade 10 and well, 11. And, and they talk about and you then can't. they were like and they were like they couldn't have a prom. They, yeah. they were missing everything. No hockey teams like they were a mess because mm -hmm. they came like if you're going to take your children, you have to go before grade five. Yeah. After grade five. Unless you have a particular personality of child that you know would really enjoy and traveling. I mean, and and, and the thing is, if you've also done a lot of traveling for holidays and trips and kids are used to different cultures and smells and sights. Well, and I okay, also think but. you also have to prepare, like, a, some people go from privilege to privilege. Yes. But some people don't really like they're here and mm -hmm. then they go to this other country and they're living on a compound with swimming pools and access to clubs yeah. and all this sorts of things and then it's like you come back here and you're like well wait a minute i live in yeah. a house on the street well with a uh at the time it's changed since then at the time colombia was very much a, a economic social class structured society so my parents lived at a middle middle class level so my friend, my Colombian friend's parents were engineers, architects, lawyers, owners of companies, entrepreneurs. Which um, you wouldn't have been socializing with those kind of people if you had lived in Canada. No, no, no. not at all. Like I had teachers, I had uh, piano, like my dad was a nurse and my mom was a teacher. So it would have been a completely different kind of more. Well, Canadian middle class is different mm -hmm. than Colombian mm -hmm. middle class. And um so, and I, I mean, I learned how to take public transit in Colombia and and do all the, once I was a teenager and do stuff like that. But when I came to Canada, I realized, oh, people that are middle class don't really take the bus very much. In no. Like, exactly. sorry, we lived in Niagara region. Right. So that's so. different. In Toronto, it's completely different. But in Niagara. No. People cars. drove cars and all my Canadian peers drove cars and didn't take the bus. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to take the bus. Why right. do I? And I was like very snobby about yeah. that, even though I had grown up taking well, the bus. Well, and when we moved on to the... In, in oh, yeah. When we moved house. to our first house, it was on the side of town that was a little sketchy to me. 
And I was just and I was mortified just like, that we were this is what there. we can afford right now. And then eventually you would sell like this is yes. called a starter home. And that's what people I had do. No concept and of what starter home was. So because your parents never owned a home until no. they came back yeah. and were much older. Right. So anyway, so uh, I think um, I, mean, I grew up in I grew up surrounded by poverty and seeing it yeah. and being kind and generous to poor people and having joining my dad in projects that helped the poor. Um, and I like I was saying, so when I first came here though, um, I didn't understand the, the poor because like the poor in Colombia, if you know, doesn't matter how little money you have, you find a pail of water and you wash your face and your body and you wear deodorant and you do your hair, no matter yeah, how poor you are. Right. And here, the poor were basically the homeless people who who for mental health reasons or whatever and were yeah. dirty well and you and also then later were exposed, on i learned you were other exposed poor well and you were Canada exposed that to... were welfare recipients and then those children wouldn't bathe mm -hmm. and well you were exposed to that when i was principal yeah when right? you were principal and i mean and I, I, said, I couldn't understand that aspect of and i also said here. to you today when we were talking about like this the transiency of some of the kids that I dealt with who were in like, by the time they got to me, they had been in like eight different schools. Yeah. And so they had some of all These this other behavior. issues as well. So it's an interesting topic. I certainly would really recommend the book Third Culture Kids. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting. And I haven't driven you too crazy with my, no. my Colombian ways. No. Uh, partially we, Colombian ways. No, we eat lots of different. Yeah, the food wise, it's the good. The food wise is good. No, I'm talking behaviors. <laughs> no, no behaviors. Hey, growing I up think, with a maid was I think not a maid, good thing. No, that was not a good thing. But I think that as Canadians, it's almost sad in a way that we aren't more like we call ourselves the multicultural mosaic, right? Yeah. Like that's all I would. I, but I, I think that we are really like in urban centers. I think urban Canadians are better at it, but. Small cities, mm. no, no, not so much. Um, one like I had an aunt, my my dad's sister, who had worked in Panama and in Colombia, and she knew what I was going to go through. I think because she saw it in other um young kids. young kids that in other families that she had seen come mm -hmm. to Canada, so she kind of prepared me. She said like this was like two months or so before I left Colombia. She said, you're going to need to find things about Colombia, culture, language, your friends' behaviors, how they think, what their philosophies are, their values. You need to hold on to the good ones. You know, at times now you probably even think some negative things about Colombia and Colombians, but you can just drop the negatives and just hold on to the positives. When you get to Canada, you're going to see a lot of negatives and some positives. She goes, you never have to adopt the negative Canadian values and, and aspects, you can just shrug them aside and just adopt the positive ones. Right. And, and learn. That, and that really was what I held on to for the yeah. first two years. And I think really, um, you know, the other book where you kind of are at the top of the pyramid, right? Oh like, yeah. And you have, you have choices to make and you have, you to, can slide down, you can slide down or you can, you know, yeah. you know, cause when you get to the, Two people start at the top of the period when they yeah. get to the bottom, mm -hmm. depending on which way they go, they're very far apart. Yeah. And that's what I find about society now that people are so far apart and in between is just rock and yeah. they can't seem and to get to each other. Mm -hmm.
So anyway, good discussion. Um, try the book if you're interested in, in reading and understanding. It's I think it's good for those of us who haven't experienced it. I mean, there are a lot of things about the way I grew up that were challenging too. <laughs> I'd so, say you have a bit of third culture issues yeah, too. But anyway, um, so on June 30th, we're going to talk about bike bikes and bike tripping we're going to go on a little okay. bike trip we're just going to talk about bikes i'm going to see if i can get sebastian to come on and talk about good. bikes with us. <laughs> so anyway thanks for joining us for growing up as a third culture kid thanks for putting by up with charles my long anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks for joining us here on no room for phonies good night <laughs>